You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, Bleeding Green Nation, and welcome to a special edition of BGN Radio. This is episode number 364. I'm John Stolness from Bleeding Green Nation. You can follow me on X at John Stolness. This is not normally the voice you hear. I would have done the whole yo thing that Jimmy Kemsky does, but... That's his thing. That, that's his bit. That's his gimmick. And so, um, I just do, I, I just do my, my pedestrian welcome into the, <laughs> into the show. And, um, today we will, uh, we'll be taking a look ahead at the Eagles second half schedule. Uh, we'll do some wins and losses uh, as what we think will happen in the Eagles second half. And I also want to look at a couple of the other NFC contenders who the Eagles will be battling for the number one seed. Uh, we'll give some grades, uh, for the first half of the Eagles season and take a look at ahead at the, the uh, key games this weekend, uh, with some of the the NFC teams and uh, joining me for this episode of BGN radio is my good buddy, Jeff Kerr of CBS sports. Uh, Jeff's been on my other Eagles podcast, eye on the enemy, which you guys I'm sure have heard uh, a number of different times. And Jeff's going to chat with me about all this stuff here on this edition of BGN radio as BLG and Jimmy uh, get a much deserved episode off with the bye week here. Jeff, thanks for hosting with me, buddy. How are you? John, I'm doing well. I unfortunately do not have a bye week during the NFL season. The Eagles are off, which I primarily focus on, but there's still other NFL games being played. Yeah, you're the national guy, and so, but I know you're a Philly guy too. So it's like a a perfect meeting of worlds. I know you're you, you're on the clock, and you gotta be you still gotta be invested in all this stuff. You you don't get a week off here, so. Um, but I know this is uh you know this is kind of your baby, the Eagles as well as mine. So um, let's talk a little bit about uh what's coming up here in, in the second half. But before we do that. I wanted to, I had a thought as I was driving around this week, you know, thinking about what the Eagles have been doing this year, eight and one in the first half. They got off to an eight and one start last year on their way to, uh, almost what if, if, you know, Jalen Hurts had played the whole season, it would, would have been almost an undefeated season. And, you know, this season has been very much different than last season, even though they have the same record, maybe different vibes, different way of getting there, but they're in the same place as they were a year ago. And they're led by Jalen Hurts, who, I was just thinking about him as I was driving around the other day, listening to another Eagles podcast, and it dawned on me, like, just stop and think about how good this guy has become. Remember going back when they drafted him? I I could not have been more against the Eagles taking him in the second round at the time. They just paid Carson Wentz all that money. I couldn't have been more against the Jalen Hurts draft pick. And after his rookie year, it was a short year. He, He only started a handful of games. His first full season as a starter was filled with a lot of ups and downs. He got them to the playoffs, but you could see a real incomplete guy as a passer. And it didn't, it, you know, there was nothing, nothing that told you that what we've seen these last two years is what we're going to get. And when you look at this guy, how he, how he plays when from behind, what he does, how he plays injured, the team leader that he's become and still playing at an elite level, throwing the football. Like he is an elite passer. In this league, we knew he was going to be a good runner to become the passer that he's become the total and complete package of player. 
I don't think we properly sit back and, and think for a moment and look with awe at what this guy has become. Can you can you even fathom? Can you believe like where like Jalen Hurts is is playing at like a like a Peyton Manning level, like a like a a, a a Tom Brady level, a Kurt Warner level, like these greats of the game. He's putting his name among these different guys with how he's played these last two years. It's it's just remarkable. I actually said this to a buddy yesterday. We were kind of talking about this, and I said, you know, Jalen Hurts is a Cam Newton that can actually throw the football. <laughs> <laughs> I, that's literally what he is. Because you think about it, the guy has the most rushing touchdowns out of anybody through the first four seasons in the league. Yeah, it's kind of crazy to think this is his fourth season. He's already pretty much top ten all time in rushing touchdowns, if not close to it, uh, for quarterbacks. That that's crazy to believe. And we always knew he was going to be a good runner. But yeah. funny story, John, when they drafted him, I actually loved the pick, and it wasn't because of oh the Eagles. You know, Jalen Hurts is going to surpass Carson Wentz. That's not what I was thinking at all. I'm one of those people. I look at games differently, especially losses or especially trends. I thought the Eagles lost that playoff game against the Seahawks because Josh McCown was god awful. And I said, if they had an actual backup quarterback, they would have beaten that football team. And uh, little did we know Josh McCown was playing with a torn hamstring, but he was still terrible. They did not have a backup quarterback. They did not have a Nick Foles type yeah. to save the day because of Carson Wentz's injury history. So I said, okay. Well, Carson Wentz gets hurt all the time. If they need a guy to come in and win him a game or two, this guy can do it. And that's what I thought he was going to be. But, you know, Carson took it the other way, and we all know what happened. And Jalen Hurts is a different guy. He he just is. You know, I'm in the locker room every single week. He's one of those – he's the same type of guy all the time. He says to me, how you doing? Every single week. And I always say, I'm good, Jalen. And he says, that's good. It's like – it's just basically an interchange. That's just how he is. He, he's straight to business, cares about one thing, winning. And I think he wants to be the best possible player he can. I mean, John, you saw my stats this week. Look how good he's been in the pocket. He has yeah. a knee injury, and he's a better pocket quarterback. It's absolutely insane to think about. You're right, how he's putting up these these numbers that all these people tried to tell you he can't throw, he can't do this, he can't do that. Get him in the pocket. Keep him in the pocket. Well, he's doing that, and he's elite. So I don't know what to tell these doubters of Jalen Hurts. It's just a lot of people just don't want to take the L that they were wrong about this guy. Are are there still doubters? I, I really don't understand how anybody could. I mean, you you've got the Chris Sims of the world who are naturally going to try and 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 find ways to poke holes in things that that hurts and, and the Eagles do. But for me, I, I don't think, and I think there's this perception out there in the, in the national media that like Eagles look to nitpick at Jalen Hurts. Eagles fans like look to like to nitpick at Jalen Hurts. I don't see that. I mean, I I think that Eagles fans, the vast vast majority, and talk radio and everything else. Just nothing but acceptance of what a true franchise quarterback this guy is and has become. And at 25 years old, to have all of the intangibles in place to go along with the fact that he's improved himself so much as a passer and that he has such a such a phenomenal ability to run the ball when he's healthy. The way that he can reinvent his game depending on the defense he's playing and the time of year it is and whether he's hurt or not is just... It's very, very special. I don't, I don't think there is a whole lot of nitpicking at Jalen Hurts. Oh, he can't do this. He can't do that anymore. He's kind of shown that he can do it all. So on the national level, when we pick the elite quarterbacks, Jalen Hurts is always included in that. It's yeah. Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow, Josh Allen, 
Jalen Hurts, whatever way you want to organize it, those are the four. And then you got the second tier of like Lamar, Justin Herbert, and, and Lamar's elite this year, by the way. I, I just got to say that. So Lamar, Justin Herbert, guys like that. You know where it comes from, John? It's a certain fan base that BGM Radio does not like. And it's a team that the Eagles beat this week that can't admit Jalen Hurts is everything they wish their quarterback was. Mm -hmm. So they try to denounce anything he does because they're unintelligent. And we all know who we're talking about here. You guys can take the guess. But to me, that's where I think that's all coming from. Naturally, I'll I'll tell you what. They love Jalen Hurts. They They love the story. It's This is a guy who went toe-to-toe with Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl and outplayed him. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I don't know what you want. And I think yeah. now they're just going by, oh, well, the last 16 losing quarterbacks in their first Super Bowl never came back. Well, I'll tell you what, Jalen Hurts is built different. Joe Burrow is built different. Those two are going to win a Super Bowl at some point. Yeah. Yeah. And it might be this year for, for Philadelphia. I've given up another eight and one start. Um, really banking a lot of wins. And, and it's been said on, on the podcasts on this feed. It's been said everywhere else that that win against the Cowboys, as ugly as it was at the end of the day, was absolutely huge in terms of securing their position in the division and in the conference. And, uh, what we're going to do now is just kind of look ahead to the second half of the Eagles schedule because we've talked a lot about this gauntlet that the Eagles are going to have to go through over these next few weeks. The first step in that gauntlet was the Cowboys at home and the Eagles took care of business, which is all you wanted. You just want to get out of there with a win. It was, a, it should have been a more comfortable win so that we didn't have Cowboys fans nipping at our ears talking about they should have won the game. They should have done this, should have done that. It should have never gotten to the point that it got to at the end of the game. This should have been a pretty comfortable Eagles victory if the offense does something in the final two possessions. But that being said, it's a win. It's a victory. It's a huge victory in terms of their playoff positioning in the division and in the conference. And so now as we look ahead to the last, uh, what is it, uh, two, four, six, eight games of the season, how how are things going to shake out? What do they need to do here over these last few weeks? So you and I, we're going to go through each of these games and we're going to give winners and losers. And I'll just toot my own horn a little bit here. So far for, for Bleeding Green Nation, I'm 94 and 43 picking games straight up this year. I'm at 69%, which is pretty good. I'm six games up on the next closest competitor uh, that we have picking games. So uh I've had a feel, a little bit of a better feel for it this year than I think in in seasons past, and so uh, hoping to, hoping that trend continues uh, as we as we pick Eagles games here so far. I picked Eagles to win every week, so I've only missed one Eagles game, uh, which has been pretty standard so far. Um, all right, Jeff, coming out of the bye here, the Eagles are going to go to Kansas City for this huge Super Bowl rematch against the Chiefs on Monday Night Football. Maybe the most highly anticipated game of the year on the NFL calendar. If there's a, if there's one that's more anticipated, I'd love to know what it is because these are two, uh, these are the two best teams in the NFL. They are steaming towards a rematch in the actual Super Bowl with the way that they're playing. Both teams, Eagles eight and one, the, the Chiefs seven and two look like they they are on a you know on on the the same paths that they were on last year. This is a huge game for for both teams. I feel like the Eagles during this next five game stretch are probably going to go 3 and 2 when you've got at Kansas City, Buffalo at home, San Francisco at home, at Dallas, at Seattle. So I'm kind of trying to figure out where I'm going to place my losses here. And as you look ahead, Kansas City, Chiefs in in Kansas City, Taylor Swift's new home. How do you how do you see this one shaking out on Monday Night Football? You know, there's a factor in this game that everybody's like, well, the Eagles are coming off a bye. 
Well, there's one problem. Kansas City's coming off a bye. Yeah, we all know how. Yeah. Well, to <laughs> me, Andy Reid off a bye is scary. So mm-hmm. I actually put that as an L. That that's an L for me. But, okay, but that's okay. I don't. In the grand scheme of things, I don't think it matters. That's why I thought the Dallas game was huge because I didn't think they get by Kansas City. Um, the Buffalo game is right after that. I, you know, what Buffalo's been a major disappointment this year. Uh, they they look like they were going to be a competitor in the AFC, a Super Bowl contender, and then all of a sudden the wheels fell off and they're inconsistent again. So, make it Buffalo a win there. San Fran, I think the Eagles are going to beat them. I don't think. Well, the let's go one at a time. Let's go one at a yeah. time. Let's go okay. one at a time through these different games because I, I do want to get your thoughts on on Kansas City a little bit more because I know you know Kansas City has their weaknesses. You know their offensive line has not been good the last couple of weeks. But you're right, Andy Reid coming off a bye has a ridiculous record. He gets their he gets their teams totally ready every time. You know there's a there's there's a bye week, and so I I do think though I I, I was trying to decide as I was looking at this game and as I was looking at the Buffalo game. I felt like I wanted to pick one of those games as the L. And I I just, for whatever reason, I get the feeling, and it's a feeling thing, that the Eagles are going to go into Kansas City and win that game. I, I think they're going to go into Kansas City on Monday Night Football. I don't know that a revenge factor means anything. I don't really think much about quote-unquote revenge you know, in, in football. I don't really think that's a thing. But I think the Eagles are going to be exceedingly motivated going into that game. It'll be very interesting to see how Jalen Hurts looks and feels after having a full week to rest and get treatment on his knee. Uh, I think that if he is looking a little bit rough around the edges, if he's still having some hampered mobility, I think then that's probably what we can expect for the rest of the season. Like If a week off didn't help him, that's where you would hope maybe if you can clinch the number one seed early, maybe you give him the last week of the season off and then he gets a, a bye week going into the divisional round. I mean, this is putting the cart way before the horse, but that's kind of what you're hoping in terms of being able to get this thing locked away as soon as possible, get Jalen Hurts as much rest before the divisional round of the playoffs. But I think this is a, a game where I think the Eagles going into Kansas City, I think they're going to be up for it. I think I think they're going to win this game. I just have the feeling they're going to they're going to beat Kansas City in this Super Bowl rematch on Monday Night Football. And see, John, if they do that, I think they're going to cruise. Mm. And what I mean by cruise is they'll probably – Going to Dallas, one time, one level. So they'll probably be eleven to one when they play Dallas. Mm. That, that, that that's truly how I feel because if they beat them, I think they'll beat the Buffalo Bills, and I do think they'll beat the Forty Niners. That that that's just uh, they're a team that seems to ride momentum a lot. And yeah, and you're right. If you can win in Arrowhead on Monday Night Football against Andy Reid, against Patrick Mahomes, and get that revenge factor from the Super Bowl. By the way, I am embracing the whole Taylor Swift. Travis Kelsey thing. <laughs> As someone yeah. who who has talked to Travis Kelsey a lot in my career, I'm loving it. I love how she dates the party boy and how Jason is still sexiest man alive. I, I think that's hilarious that Jason was, <laughs> was considered the hotter yeah. of the Kelsey brothers. So to me, I, I by the way, that is so minuscule in the whole grand scheme of things that the Kelsey brothers are kind of like the fifth or sixth most important story in yeah. the whole because they've only played each other what three times, and Travis, yeah. Travis, the first time was injured. That was yeah. in 2013. Like it's like, oh, okay, Jason Kelsey has a brother on the Chiefs. Yeah. in 2013, and then you got the whole Travis was good, Jason was good in 17. Then you got the whole super. Oh, sorry, uh, they played each other in 21 too. So this would be the the fifth time I guess they played 
I, 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 I'm yeah, well, either way, the podcast that they do has kind of elevated their status together, you know, and of course playing in the Super Bowl, there's a lot, it was so much light on the two of them playing in the Super Bowl last year, but we've come a long way from the Mummer's speech on the Art Museum steps uh, with, with, with Jason. Um, it's it's fun to watch, and that again, will that'll be a big storyline too, the Kelsey's coming together, we'll see Mama Kelsey, I'm sure, uh, will will be in attendance, certainly Taylor will will be there, and so, um, yeah, it'll be, it'll be a great game, I think it will be a, a great game and it's certainly i think it's a coin to it's a coin flip game for me but uh, i think they're going to go into kansas city and win now we come back the next week they come back on a short week at home against the, the buffalo bills in a late afternoon window uh at lincoln financial field i figure i find that at least once a year jeff this team drops a game at home that they really probably shouldn't have dropped and i think if they beat kansas city they're going to be on a high I, I do think there's a chance for a letdown there they don't. They normally don't. Jalen Hurts normally is oblivious to letdown games and trap games, but uh, I feel like in between Kansas City and San Francisco, you have this Buffalo team that they're not familiar with. They're not familiar with um, with Josh Allen. They they haven't seen that that team a whole lot. That feels like the L to me. That feels like the loss to me. They're gonna have. They're probably gonna have a bad. You know, a, a home loss this year at some point. I think this is probably the most likely scenario for that for that home l so this is where i have the eagles losing one of the two games during this five game stretch i have them dropping this home game to buffalo to go to nine and two at that point and i could see a reason there because last time they saw josh allen he wasn't josh allen yeah he he was just a guy that was highly criticized that he couldn't throw turned the ball over a lot he wasn't mvp caliber josh allen yet remember that was the game where like jordan howard and miles Sanders just went crazy in in buffalo that was the last time they saw Josh Allen. So, yeah, I, you're right there. Uh, but the thing is with Buffalo, we won't talk about Eagles injuries in a second there. I don't even know who the Buffalo Bills put out there anymore because it seems like Jordan Poyer's hurt a lot. Micah Hyde's hurt a lot. Christian Bedford's hurt now. They lost Jadavious White. Uh, Tyron Johnson, I think, is still hurt. I don't even remember anymore because Buffalo's had so many injuries. They don't have Matt Milano. There's just losing guys left and right. I, I just think the Eagles could feast off that defense. No, for sure. And I, I I think the Eagles will be favored in that game. I think they should be favored in that game. I just, you know, there's always there's always a home loss. And I don't think it's going to be against the San Francisco 49ers the next week. Um, I think that's going to be that the atmosphere at Lincoln Financial Field for the 49ers coming back in. And I'll tell you, Josh Allen scares me more than Brock Purdy scares me. I, I just, Brock Purdy doesn't scare me. And I, I said at the beginning of the year, people were crowning Brock Purdy as this next franchise quarterback. And I just felt like maybe he would be. I didn't say that he wouldn't be. But the fact that everybody was coronating him after a half a season when he kind of took the league by surprise, took the league by storm. He's in a system, certainly where with Kyle Shanahan, where his precise skill set really works well. And he was, he got off to a really good start this year, but as he's had to deal with a little bit of adversity, he's really struggled. And I just kind of felt, you know, it's a seventh round pick. This guy was a seventh round pick for a reason. That's not to say he can't be good. Tom Brady was picked really late in the draft. He turned out to be amazing. How often does that happen? I just kind of felt like the whole Brock Purdy is going to be an all pro quarterback, all this kind of stuff. It just seemed like we were getting way ahead of our skis on the, on, on the Brock Purdy thing. And so I was, I was cautioning. Pump the brake a little on this guy because he hasn't yet really proven himself. I thought the Eagles were going to eat him alive in the championship game even before he got hurt. I was making that call the whole week leading up to it, and that's the trajectory that game was on when he got hurt. So 
I'll just say, I, I think San Francisco coming into Philadelphia, they're going to be outside their minds. They've had this game circled on the calendar for forever. I just feel like this is going to be one of those games where Jalen Hurts just comes in with that smirk on his face. Nick Sirianni does his preening on the sideline. I don't think it's a blowout by any stretch of the imagination, but I think the Eagles beat San Francisco at home. I cannot see the Eagles losing to San Francisco at Lincoln Financial Fields. So I think they moved to 10-2 and two with a win against San Francisco. What do you think? So, John, I do overreactions after every single Eagles game, and I started this during the NFC Championship game last year. I was doing them for the league, but with the championship games, I said, you know what? I'm going to up it. I'm going to up the ante a bit. I'm mm-hmm. going to do an Eagles-themed one. And 49ers fans came after me when I said it. The Eagles would beat this team 31-7 if Brock Purdy stayed healthy because Brock Purdy was going to get hurt anyway because that defensive front was destroying the 49ers offensive line. And that's... I still think that's where it all starts. Well, if Brock Purdy played, we would have won. And I'm like, well, no, he, you guys wouldn't have won. Uh, San Francisco would not have won that football game because Brock Purdy was not playing well before he got hurt. And right. it was clear the moment was too big for him. And that's fine. I'm not scared of Brock Purdy because I'm not scared of the 49ers offensive line. Have you seen how bad that line has been outside of Trent Williams? It yeah. is a major weakness. And Cincinnati exposed that uh, a couple weeks ago when they beat San Francisco. So, yeah, uh, count and Eagles win for me. Uh, I think the Eagles win by 10 or 14 in that game. And usually when I say that, it it's probably going to be a blowout. So I just think the Eagles are better than this team. I think they're more talented than this team. I think the 49ers ultimately take advantage of a bad NFC West. And mm-hmm. that's why they'll be in the mix toward the end of the season. All right, so through these three games, we each have them two and one. We just have, have wins and losses flip-flopped Kansas City and Buffalo. Now let's move into this game against Dallas on the road. It's a, it's a Sunday night football game. The Eagles have had so much trouble in Dallas over these last few years. They have not won in Texas since 2017. And it's just a tough place for them to play. And so they're three and zero against their divisional opponents so far, right? They've beaten the commanders twice. They've beaten the Cowboys, all of them very close games, all of them skin of their teeth. Take that all into consideration for sure. But it is exceedingly difficult in the NFL to sweep your divisional games. And the fact that Dallas is a place that they have not played well over the, over the last few years, and the fact that it is very difficult to sweep your opponents, and the fact that I do think, spoiler alert, I'm picking them to beat the Giants both times here at the end of the season. You know, I know. Blow your brains out. Um, not blow your brains out. Blow your hair back, I think is what I meant to say. That you're, was a little... You're really ex- taking a risk there, yeah, John. You know, I went extreme. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, who's going to be the Giants quarterback? Will it be Mac Bartley by then? Yeah, I mean, who knows? I mean, it could be the Italian guy they have. Uh, I don't remember what his name is. Uh, Tommy DeVito, the guy from Goodfellas. Sure, fine. That's what I, I think you made that name up, but okay. Um, <laughs> I think, you know, you got in Dallas against a, a Cowboys team that, yes, sure, they might be looking for some revenge too. Again, I don't really care about revenge, but this is a difficult place for the Eagles to play. I don't see them sweeping their division this year and going 6-0. Six, six and oh. So I have the Eagles losing. It's going to be a tough pill for Eagles fans to swallow, but at the end of the day, End of the season, you get the one seed. I don't really think anybody's going to care. I think they go into Dallas, and I think they lose on Sunday night football against the Cowboys and drop to 10-3 and three on the season. Yeah, I don't see them beating Dallas and Dallas either. And I thought the Eagles could have done that last year if Jalen Hurts was healthy enough to yes. play against them. Yes. And that's no disrespect to Gardner Minshew, who did play well. And the Eagles did give up that third and 30, which Darius <laughs> Slay got way too much criticism for, by the way. And I'm glad Slay like stood up for himself. And yeah, you know, everybody goes, he called out. 
Um, God, I forget. Josiah Scott? Was it Scott on that play? Yeah, yeah, I think it was Josiah Scott. And I'm like, look, no, he's just telling you how the play was supposed to work. It's not calling anybody out. That's that's just what he does. And look, bygones be bygones with that game. I said after that, unless the Eagles lose out, that game does not matter. And they didn't lose out. So I don't know what this game's going to matter. I I think it's going to matter a little because it's earlier. But Dallas has to pretty much win out before this game, which they can do, by the way. And Dallas, here's another uh, little tidbit, John. Dallas is going to have 10 days off Mm -hmm. because they play on the Thursday before that. Yeah. So that can play a factor in it, too. Uh, Again, I just don't see the Eagles sweeping them. I I, I don't. And uh, that's just how I feel. They're going to be fine one in the division. That's probably going to be the loss, and – Everybody will panic and they'll have to hear all the stuff on X and, you know, you just got to ignore it because ultimately the next Sunday is going to be the big one against Seattle. Yeah, I agree with that. And so I think we're both uh, aligned there. We have them at two and two through this, uh, through these four games now. And then, uh, Sunday afternoon against the Seattle Seahawks, which again, if the Eagles beat San Francisco uh, two weeks before that, Seattle is likely the division leader at that point. You're looking at possibly having to worry about Seattle as a threat in the conference as opposed to San Francisco in terms of the, the number one seed. That's a, that is a very, very big game. Seattle is a very difficult place to play. Um, what do you think about this game? Well, uh, what is it, Lumen Field now? It used to be Quest Field. Now it's Lumen Field, I think. That place is a house of horrors for the Eagles. I mean, even when the Eagles were really good in 2017, they couldn't have beat Seattle in Seattle on Sunday Night Football there. If you remember that game, Carson yeah. Wentz had those two ridiculous throws and Nelson Aguilar. I, you know, I think it was the first time they've been there since since then. Um, I don't like when the Eagles go there. They always seem to have trouble with the Seahawks, period. I'm not afraid of Geno Smith, but I'm afraid of how Pete Carroll's going to game plan against them because take the Baltimore loss aside, Baltimore beats everybody bad now. Seattle was playing really well going into that, and I actually had them as one of my seven Super Bowl contenders after week seven. I still think that they're good enough to make a run there. And you're right, they're probably going to be the division leader if the Eagles beat the Seahawks. So I'm looking at it as it's going to be a very, very tough game. I think the Eagles do grind it out, though, because they do have more talent. But I'll say this point blank, John. They have to be able to figure out how to run the football by that. Yeah. No, they do. And I think you're, I, I see this game as a win for the Eagles, but I, it's a, it's an ugly game. It's an ugly win. Um, Geno Smith is, is better than I thought he was going to be here in his second year. Um, I wasn't expecting a whole lot from him, but, uh, you know, he's, he's now done. there, I will say this. There is some talk they may go to Drew Locke. I mean, at least some people have reported that because he hasn't played well over the last couple of weeks and he turns the football over. So, but I, I just can't see Seattle switching because yeah. they're in a division race. Well, they also just paid him a ton of money. Like that, that would be stupid. You know, they gave Jane, Geno Smith the, the big quarterback money that, that, obviously you do what you need to do to win football games, but you know, was he playing that badly that you got to make a switch to a guy who, you know, can't play. Sorry, Drew Luck can't play. You can't, he's not, he's not good. He's not as good as Geno Smith. And even though Geno Smith is not a top tier quarterback, uh, that would be, that would be malpractice. But I will say too, one of the issues the Eagles have had with the Seahawks over the years is Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson ain't there anymore. And so I feel a little bit better going and playing the Seahawks team without Russ under center uh, and that not having to worry about that guy because that guy always seemed to pull rabbits out of his hat when he would play when he would play the Eagles. So uh, did you say you have them winning that game? Uh, oh, yeah. I have them winning a close game. Again, right. I think 
they have to run the football better. That, that's been, but yeah. I, I like how you mentioned Russell Wilson. That was one of my, so when I had to grade every NFL team, I gave the Broncos a C and everybody goes, well, they're terrible. They give up 70 points. I'm like, you yeah, know, their defense has actually been playing really well since then. Oh, and by the way, Sean Payton did fix Russell Wilson. I mean, Denver's bad for other reasons, but Russell Wilson is not it. Yeah, he's playing much better up in Denver, so that's a definitely good to get him out of Seattle. We don't play Denver this year, so um, no more Russell Wilson this year. That's good news. So we have them going three and two through this five game stretch, uh, coming out of it at eleven and three, and then we can just talk about these last three games as a whole. Uh, Giants at home on Monday. Uh, it's a Monday game, Christmas Day. Uh, the Eagles will get the Giants. What a Christmas present! We get to beat up on the Giants. Uh, then the Eagles will host Jonathan Gannon and the Arizona Cardinals. It looks like Jonathan Gannon has done it least well enough in Arizona to survive the season. So we'll get to welcome Jonathan Gannon back in with, with open arms, just destroy that man. Uh, and then uh, they'll be at the Giants, which will essentially be a home game for the Eagles. Fans are going to flock up to New York. The Giants won't have anything left to play for. Who knows what quarterback they'll be on. Game hopefully won't mean anything for either team, uh, but uh, the Eagles are going to sweep those last three games. I just, this is not, there's no New Orleans type situation I think going on here with, with Arizona or one of these New York games. I, I think those are three fairly, they may not be comfortable. You know, the Eagles don't really blow anybody out this year, but I think they win all three of those games. And I think, they, I do think they finish 14 and three on the season. Yeah. Which if you said the Eagles would finish 14 and three in August, you take that, right? Perhaps 100%. Uh, I, I, you know, I'm like, okay, maybe 12 and five. I think I had 13 and four. So it, it's kind of on par, but I didn't think they'd start eight and one this year. I thought there'd be another like letdown game. And honestly, they should have won the Jets game. They blew that game. They should have won the Jets game. Yeah. They should have been 9-0 going into the bye week. Uh, with, all things considered. But yeah, those last three games, oh my God, are they going to be brutal. And uh, I like working Christmas, but going down the link, I'm just going to be like, man, I'm missing time with my family to watch this crap. I know. Like, like, <laughs> like, like the Giants are going to be terrible. And then New Year's Eve, I'm going to be like, all right, get Let's Can I get, get a work from champagne. home day on that one, guys? Can can we make that happen? Do I do I do you need me at the at the field in that one? Uh, I I don't mind going to the field. I'll, I'll never complain about covering a football game. But man, it's I'm just gonna be laughing when I'm watching how bad the Giants are. And I, honestly, John, I gotta get this off my chest about the Giants. I called how bad they were gonna be this year mm. because they were content with losing 38-7 to a team in a playoff game. And that sours me just as a competitor. You actually thought Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley were gonna take the next step. You actually thought number two and number three wide receivers were gonna help you take the next step with that poor offensive line and a decent defense. There were two teams I am going to pat myself on the back for <laughs> that I knew were going to be bad this year, the New York Giants and the New England Patriots. I am absolutely loving their downfall right now. Yeah, both both have been. I mean, I think I was surprised by the Giants' downfall. I, I really didn't see this coming. I mean, I knew they had a ceiling on how good they could be, but I didn't see this floor. And uh, that's that's what's been surprising about New York. Is I the saw fact. the floor. <laughs> you saw the floor. And oh, now with, I saw the floor. <laughs> yeah. And now with Daniel Jones out for the season, um, he's uh, they are in a world of trouble. Their season's over. Their season's lost. Funny, they didn't get – the Daniel Jones injury happened like a week too late for them to be sellers at the trade deadline and just offload everything, which they should have been anyway. But I know they did move – you know, they made a couple of moves. But they should have – that should have – been a clearinghouse situation you know get those drag get as many draft picks as you can so i will say the one team even if the eagles go 14 and 3 they're still there's still a possibility with the detroit lions and their schedule that 
they could be trying. They might need that final game of the season. Have you seen the Lions' schedule the rest oh, of the I way? I, their toughest, their toughest game until Week 17, when they have to go to Dallas and play the Cowboys, might be this weekend against the Chargers in. Where the heck did they play? Los Angeles now. Because yeah. after that, they've got home game against the Bears, home game against the Packers. They have to go to New Orleans. It could be could be a tricky game there, but they should be favored to win that game. They have to go to Chicago. They're home against Denver. They go at Minnesota without Kirk Cousins there. And who knows? Maybe Josh Dobbs continues the magic, but I don't know. Uh, then they have to go to Dallas, and they host the Minnesota Vikings. You could very easily see the Minnesota Vikings have only one loss during that stretch. And finish the season also at 14 and three. Maybe there's an extra loss in there and then they're 13 and four. Maybe there's two extra losses in there because the Lions are far from a polished product. Like I think they're less of a polished product than the, than the Eagles are. They're still growing. They're still learning how to be an elite team in the NFC, but their schedule is so bad and their division is so bad. They have a real shot to overtake the Eagles as the number one seed if the Eagles don't go three and two on this five game stretch and take care of business in those final three weeks of the season. It, which is why I thought the Lions were going to be really good this year because of this schedule. You just mentioned it. I, I'm like, okay, Detroit's more talented than all these teams. And everybody likes to say, oh, you know, you're copping out by the schedule or that's an easy take. It's not an easy take, it's a fair take. It's, mm-hmm. I mean, they're just better than a lot of teams. And everybody's going to point out the Baltimore game for saying they're not ready for primetime. Well, again, Baltimore's a different animal, especially at home. But yeah, you're right. Outside of that Dallas game, there's a lot of wins on Detroit's schedule. There's a lot of meat yeah. on the bone for, for Dan Campbell and that team to strike. And I think they're going to win the NFC North easily. Yeah, they might win that thing by three games. I mean, the Vikings looked like they were about to put up a challenge, and then Kirk Cousins gets hurt. Um, I mean, Josh Dobbs, what he did a week ago was borderline miraculous. Can he continue that? Now, again, if you're talking about a weak division, Minnesota's in a weak division as well, so they can pile up some wins. They can be a threat to the Lions. And, again, the Lions are not a finished product. I could easily see them losing a game or two that they should win because they're still learning how to how to be an elite team. But uh, just looking at the record, the Eagles need to understand the pressure's on. You know, they, they can't let up because uh, there are some other teams in the conference that have an easier schedule moving forward. Uh, and uh, I know the Cowboys schedule's easy the next three weeks, but then they have their own gauntlet at the end of the season. We've talked about that on previous episodes as well. So um, so that's kind of our look at the, at the Eagles' remaining schedule here in the second half. Let's take a break. When we come back, uh, we will go over our grades for the Eagles' first half. We up next here on BGN Radio. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Back on BGN Radio, John Stolnes along with CBS Sports' Jeff Kerr. We are going to talk about some grades now for the Eagles' first half of the season. And Jeff, really, what a what a weird first half it was. Very much different than a year ago. The Eagles didn't. I don't think they've really had a game where you really felt like they are just blowing this team out like they had like they did a year ago. And a lot of that is because the running game has not been the same. The Eagles have had to throw the ball a lot. There have been a lot more mistakes. The schedule's been a little bit easier maybe than it was a year ago. But I say that, and one of the criticisms of the Eagles' record last year was the fact that they played so many bad quarterbacks. They didn't really play any elite quarterbacks. And I don't know that that's been the case so far this year. The schedule I think has been, although it's been friendly. 
they've had to play some better quarterbacks. It's going to get tougher. But this 8-1 and one record has been earned. It's a legitimate 8-1. and one. When And I, I, I think that this is important, too. When you look, and I said this when I was on with Jody McDonald and John McMullen on, on Birds 365 this week, when you when you watch other games, watch watch two other teams play this weekend. Okay, watch a Falcons and Saints game, and watch those two teams play, and tell me you don't see a difference in what the Eagles are doing, even when they're sloppy and struggling. Look at what they have and what's going on there, and compare that to your mind's eye to what you watch when you watch the Eagles. Like I watched a, I watched a Falcons Commanders game a couple weeks ago. It wasn't the same sport, Jeff. They were playing different games. So even though this, there's a lot to nitpick about eight and one. The Eagles overall this season, it's, they, there's a clear difference between what the Eagles are doing and what so many other teams in the NFL are doing so far. You know, John, I'm glad you mentioned the Falcons because that is the epitome of a mediocre team in football. I mean, look, they don't even know where their starting quarterback's going to be. Uh, they were bad with Desmond Ritter. They're bad with Taylor Heineke. They don't have an answer. Yeah, you're right. Everybody's complaining about the Eagles being an AM1. I keep telling people, watch other football teams besides the Philadelphia Eagles. And I'm not talking about watch Kansas City Chiefs, watch the Dallas Cowboys, which is what a lot of Eagles fans tend to do. Watch the mediocre, the bad teams, bad football. You wanted to watch a bad game last night? The Carolina Panthers and uh, Chicago Bears. I mean, they the Bears yeah. have Tyson Badgett uh, playing quarterback right now. That's just how and, – and they won two in a row. And they're thinking, oh – we could turn our season around. No, you're a bad football team. You were a bad football team when Justin Fields was in there. So that's just how I'm looking at the situation. The Eagles are fine. They are just playing some really good teams, some good divisional opponents. Everybody likes to go, well, you lost to the Jets. I'm like, oh, look, the Jets aren't good, but they're not terrible either, and their defense is elite. So, again, everybody has a bad loss in the league, but I, I just wish people would look at other teams in the league before they criticize them. It's really, it is a stark difference, friends. Let me tell you. So, any and there's a there's a buy this week, so everybody can can watch some of these other teams play, and you'll notice the difference. You'll notice the difference. It'll you'll see it right away. Um, so let's take a look at our at the first half, and let's hand out some grades, Jeff. I know you did this for for CBS Sports, and so uh, let me start off with you, and we'll go position by position. I uh, can't do it. every player. We'll be here till. Sunday night. So uh, let's start with quarterback position. Obviously, we're talking about one man, Jalen Hurts. What's your grade for the quarterback position here in the first half? Uh, A minus. Outside the turnovers, which, again, he seemed to correct, Jalen Hurts has been excellent. And even with the knee injury, he's better in the pocket. He's a top 10 quarterback statistically in pretty much every passing category. And the last couple weeks, he's been top one. That's just how good Jalen Hurts has been. I mean, the Eagles win. Because of Jalen Hurts, they're they're eight and one. Jalen Hurts has won twenty five of his last twenty seven games. Or sorry, it might be twenty six or twenty eight now. I I keep forgetting because he yeah. wins all the time. So yeah, I, I mean outside the turnovers and the slow ish start, which he still was playing fine. A minus. I I have him as an A minus as well. I'm gonna just read you a couple of stats from uh, Ruben Frank. Uh, always has great stats from NBC, NBC Sports Philadelphia. He's now thirty one and twelve in his career as a starter. Only seven quarterbacks in NFL history have more wins in their first forty three starts. Uh, some of these names: Daryl Lamonica, Kurt Warner, Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Dan Marino, Ken Stabler, and Ben Roethlisberger. Uh, he has three straight games with at least a seventy three percent completion percentage two or more touchdown passes, and 200 yards throwing. He's only the eighth quarterback in NFL history to do that. And you mentioned all the rushing touchdowns. 
of course, a lot of that from the tush push or from the brotherly shove. I still don't know exactly what we're calling it, but uh, you know that certainly has been that is a skill play. That is a Jalen Hurts skill play. Jalen Hurts is is a player who can do that play like few other quarterbacks, no other quarterbacks can. So you can't just say, oh, it's a gimmick play. He scores on a gimmick play. It's a skill play that Jalen Hurts and this offensive line execute to perfection. Again, the drawbacks are the turnovers, which I think are thing is something that he can correct as the season moves along, and the fact that he's not running the ball quite as much as he has in seasons past, which I think has affected the overall running game a little bit. It's made the Eagles a little bit more one-dimensional. He's made up for it, though, with his massive improvement as a passer, especially in these last three weeks. If you're giving him anything other than something in the A range, you're not watching the Eagles play enough. So you just have to understand and, and accept what this guy is and, and how how amazing he has been. Uh, let's look at the running backs. And, and I'll start off with this one. I have been mystified all season, Jeff, why Rashad Penny has not played at all. I, I grant, I understanding DeAndre Swift got off to a real hot start, but he has slowed down the running game since since Jalen Hurts has stopped using the RPO game, since he has stopped being a threat to run, defenses can key on key in on the running backs a whole lot easier. And the offensive line has not done a good enough job opening holes in a traditional run blocking way. And so DeAndre Swift has not really been able to get going all that much in recent weeks. Kenny Gainwell had a nice run inside the red zone, uh, but why they continue to use him as much inside the 20 is still a mystery to many of us because most of the time he doesn't provide production there. But again, Swift hasn't done much inside the 20 either. So I, I think there's some talent there. I still don't understand why Rashad Penny hasn't gotten any playing time at all. He got two carries in the game uh, last week against the Cowboys and looked, I thought, pretty darn good in those two runs. But for whatever reason, they don't like him right now, even though he was like one of the first free agents they signed this offseason. They don't. They haven't really liked him. They haven't used the three-headed monster as much as they said they were going to. It's really just been a two-headed monster. And so I feel like the running backs, there's a lot of room for growth there. There's a lot of room for improvement. I think it's been an average group at best. They haven't given a whole lot in the passing game either. Uh, so I'm going to say the running backs are a C right now. That's where I have them. And I would have them at C+. Uh, you know, I, I agree with you. And I've been touting this for weeks. Eagles fans are going to hate me for saying <laughs> okay. DeAndre Swift is not good. He's not a good running back. I don't want to hear he's starting the league and rushing. Here's some stats for you, John. The Eagles have only averaged 3.4 yards per carry since week four. That's 30th in the NFL. But they're 14 for rushing yards. It, it's, it's a weird statistic, but this is my DeAndre Swift stat. He's averaging just 3.4 yards per carry since week four, which is 57th among 71 players with 25-plus carries in that span. Somehow, Kenny Gainwell is worse. He's 64th, averaging 3.0 yards per carry. Why can't Rashad Penny see the field? I have nothing against DeAndre Swift. I just wish Rashad Penny was with DeAndre Swift to help DeAndre Swift out. I had people say to me today, on my ex-feed, Twitter, whatever, the, uh, Miles Sanders has terrible vision, because I mentioned about Miles Sanders. He has terrible vision, he can't see the hole. I'm like, oh, so you're mentioning DeAndre Swift. Well, no, 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 no. I'm like, no, you're saying that because DeAndre Swift is from Philadelphia. That That's what it is. And to me, DeAndre Swift is not a good football player. He's not a good running back. I think he's a, a great asset for this team, but it can't just be the DeAndre Swift show. That's the problem with DeAndre Swift. I want DeAndre Swift to play like he's playing. I don't want Kenny Gainwell behind DeAndre Swift. I want Rashad Penny behind DeAndre Swift. And DeAndre Swift and Rashad Penny is a scary combination. DeAndre Swift by himself is not. 
I, I honestly think the Eagles are going to move on from DeAndre Swift after this season. I, I just haven't seen it. Well, I, he looked he looked decisive. He hit holes hard early in the season, but that, of course, was in the RPO game when people were concerned about Jalen Hurts running. And we saw this last year when Jalen Hurts didn't run, when Gardner Minshew was in the game. And at the end of the season when Hurts wasn't running, the running game slowed down dramatically. If, if Hurts is not going to tuck and run on RPOs, defenses can key in on the running backs. And I think the Eagles' run-blocking schemes were so dependent on RPOs and Jalen Hurts' threat to run. Even if he wasn't running, the threat of a healthy Jalen Hurts running was enough to kind of give defenders just to, just enough time to pause to allow the Eagles' offensive line to open up some holes. And, and certainly Cam Jurgens being out has, has hurt the running game and the pass blocking and the run blocking a little bit, but not to the point where the run game should be as ineffective as it has been. There are also defenses are also loading the box against the Eagles in a lot of cases, and that's why the passing game has been so successful. So the offense has worked, right? The offense is working. They're scoring points. They're they're putting up yards and everything. But the running back situation has been mystifying to me. They still have not given a good answer as to why Penny doesn't play. That, there's been no answer given that's been adequate as to why Rashad Penny doesn't play. So uh, we'll see if uh, with Boston Scott still, if he's still injured coming out of the bye week, whether or not Penny continues to get some action. Cause I agree with you. I think Swift should not be, a, and he hasn't been a 25 carry guy. That was a, a one or two week aberration, but too much gain. Well, in, in relief of, uh, of Deandre Swift. And let's get this, let's get a three headed monster going and let's, let's see what we can do with that. Yeah. I feel um, bad. I feel bad for Deandre Swift. I, I, honestly, like, because I feel like he's had to carry this running, running game. And I think people misunderstood when I grade them a C plus for CBS sports, they thought I was targeting Deandre Swift. I'm like, no, this is the entire position. I said, this isn't Deandre Swift. And I said, look, Deandre Swift needs help and he's just not getting yeah, plain and simple. I think that's 100% what it is. There doesn't when I when you watch this team, it doesn't look like he's missing holes or missing opportunities. It just doesn't seem like that there is a whole lot there. Uh, let's look at the wide receivers, tight ends. I'm going to group these two together because it's all part of the the the, the pass catching crew. And I don't see how you give this group anything other than an A with what AJ Brown has done. Devontae Smith continuing to contribute as a um, as a, a high end number two receiver, low end number one receiver, one B to whatever you want to call it. Um, Dallas Goddard was actually kind of absent for for most of the first part of the season. Not necessarily his fault. I just think that's kind of the way defense is played. He's made some big catches over these last few weeks. He's always going to be a big part of what this team wants to do. They're going to miss him a lot here over these next few weeks, however long he's out. But he has... He's contributed exactly what he's needed to contribute uh, over these last few weeks. And then you look at guys like Olamide Zacchaeus and... Um, Quez Watkins, I think, is the only is the only thing that knocks you down. Maybe a, a, a part a portion of a letter grade here because he he has not been effective. And Julio Jones had that one cat touchdown catch against the Commanders. I'm I'm thinking we're going to see more of him with Dallas Goddard out over these next few weeks. But really, AJ Brown alone <laughs> gets you an A because how of how dominant he has been in the connection that he has with Jalen Hurts. Oh, I agree. So I gave the wide receivers an A plus and the tight ends a B plus. So when you combine it, it's a, it's an easy A, right? Uh, just from what Dallas Goddard has done, AJ Brown, Devonta Smith, Julio Jones has even caught a go-ahead touchdown for them. Uh, there's no other great to get. I mean, AJ Brown's AJ Brown. He might be the offensive player of the year. That's that's how good AJ Brown has been. And Dallas Goddard has been tremendous over the last couple of weeks. And I agree with you, John. They're gonna miss him terribly. Uh, when I probably do my three quarters of the season grades, Tyens will probably get knocked down a little bit because Dallas Goddard's hurt, but. This position is as good as it can be. I, I, I can't be any more impressed with them.
Yeah. Uh, let's look over at the defense and let's start with the defensive line. I I'm not going to gild the lily here. There's not a whole lot you really need to say about what this group does. It's probably their most talented unit on the entire team. Is there any reason not to give them an A plus? Uh, no. Uh, so I gave them an A plus. And look, I'm just going to point this out here. The Eagles lead the NFL in fourth quarter sacks, 14, and fourth quarter pressures, 53. They know how to get to the quarterback when it counts. Hassan Reddick is crazy good in the fourth quarter, four and a half sacks. That's second in the NFL behind only Trey Hendrickson. His 15 pressures are tied for four. Joshua is the only player in all of football with 20 pressures in the fourth quarter. <laughs> He's got mm, 23. That's crazy. It, you know who's second, John? That, that, this is even crazier. Jadavian Clowney. He has wow. 16. Yeah, who would have thought that? Like, I bet. Do you know what team Jadavian Clowney plays for right now? No, no idea. The Ravens. <laughs> and they're they're a really good fourth quarter team. So yeah, yeah. It, it, and look, they're they're fourth in league in sacks. They're second in pressures. They're first in uh, allowing uh, six six point three rushing yards per game. They're second in rushing touchdowns allowed. You want to know why the Eagles are eight and one? That defensive line, A plus. Yeah, and I think the reason they're so good in the fourth quarter is because they have so many good players and they rotate these guys in and out. They just wear down offensive lines by the time the fourth quarter rolls around. They're fresher. They have they have more legs under them. They have more energy than the offensive lines that they're playing, and they just they they shine in the fourth quarter because they're still going at near 90, 100% while the offensive lines are huffing and puffing, and they've been playing the whole game, and it's a huge advantage for the Eagles to be able to just continue to move guys in and out like that during the course of a game and keep everybody fresh. Now we're going to get to some parts of the defensive line, where the defense where I think we're going to see some, some lower grades here, and let's start with the linebackers. What did you give the linebackers here, Jeff? So I was more generous to the linebackers than you probably will be, John. I actually gave him a B because yeah. I thought Zach Cunningham has done more than what I thought he was going to do. And I like the signing of Zach Cunningham when they brought him in. And he's actually been really good in coverage, too. He's been solid. He had a great game against Cowboys, by the way. Mm. Um, I thought Nicholas Morrow, too, for a guy who was pretty much cast aside in training camp and cut to basically come in here and supplant N'Kobe Dean. I know N'Kobe Dean's been injured, but I got to give Nicholas Moore his props. So based on my expectation of the linebackers, look, I, I think they deserve a B. I think Cunningham and Morrow have done more than held the fourth down. Now, Christian Ellis has been a disappointment. He can't get on the field. Uh, N'Kobe Dean is always hurt. He's been a disappointment. But if I'm just judging Cunningham and Morrow, I, I think it's more unfair to give him a B. Yeah, I, I can see that. I, I do. I have him down a, a, low, a lower grade, a letter grade lower. I have him as a C. Uh, and it's a lot of that is because we were really hoping that N'Kobe Dean was going to be this playmaker. We, we called him one of the most important players on the defense before the season got started. He had the green dot on his helmet. He was going to quarterback the defense. He was the most, most athletic uh, linebacker on the defense, part of that Georgia crew that that they have in here, and he just he's been a liability in the, in the passing game and when he's been on the field, and, and he just hasn't been on the field all that much. Um, I am a little down on Nicobe Dean to be honest, and I I imagine I'm not the only one. Um, I do think Cunningham and Morrow have been good. They have not been great. Um, they they have also been at times a liability in the passing game. I did like Morrow and uh, as a as a blitzer, and I thought early in the season he was doing a lot of that, and that was really good. Cunningham, you mentioned, did have a very good game against the Cowboys, and if he can continue that, uh, they're going to be in decent shape. But uh, they, you know, they're they're if when stopping the run, very very good, very very good stopping the run. Of course, in the passing game, 
like most of the defense, um, they've had some trouble, especially in the middle of the field. And that typically is the area where the linebackers are responsible for a lot of the, the tight ends. Too much Jake Ferguson uh, success uh, in the game on on Sunday, in my opinion. It's not just on the linebackers. I get that. You know, that's going to be on some of these other groups we're going to be looking at here too. But um, I agree. I, I, I hear what you're saying. I'm a little bit more pessimistic on the linebackers, but um, definitely Nicholas Morrow specifically has given you more than you would have expected when the season began. Let's take a look at the cornerbacks. Now, obviously, you have the two star cornerbacks on either side, Darius Slay and James Bradbury, and then you have the rotation, uh, the poo-poo platter at, at, at slot corner since Avante Maddox got hurt. Eli Ricks has been there. Mario Goodrich has been there. Sidney Brown, who's a safety, has been has been rotating in there, asking a lot of these guys to try and cover CeeDee Lamb and Cooper Cup and what they line Terry McLaurin up in the middle or Curtis Samuel, whoever it is they're going to put in the, in the slot. The, the Eagles have been... Make, keeping their their rotation of slot corner guys, even if they even if the other team puts their star receiver in the slot. It wasn't until late in the game on Sunday uh, against the Cowboys where Darius Slay basically told Sean Desai, "All right, forget this. Let me stick with D, with CD, even if he goes into the if he goes into the slot, and that can cause problems because you know you're you're training Eli Ricks and all these different guys." To be a slot corner, they have certain responsibilities, certain duties, especially in zone coverage. You know, you're if you suddenly throw them outside so that you know you can go man to man with uh, Slay on on CD Lamb, it can cause problems elsewhere. But at the end of the day, what was work? It wasn't working what they were doing in that game and against CD Lamb in the slot. And I think James Bradbury's been a little bit of a disappointment. Darius Slay had a big pick against the Dolphins, but has been relatively quiet outside of that. I think the I think the cornerbacks have, for how much money they're paying. These guys, I think they're underperforming. I have them as a C minus. So I gave him a B minus, but because of all the injuries you said, uh, James Bradbury has been a massive disappointment this season. And I'm starting to think uh, CJ Gardner Johnson had a lot to do with Darius Slay and James Bradbury's success last year. Uh, look, so, to me, Slay's been fine. Um, you know, he's he's been good. Uh, I, I'll say that he's made a couple plays this year. He's been steady, but Bradbury 97.9 passer rating when targeted. That that's a quarterback that is not good, and that's as the primary guy. But I'm just looking at the slot cornerback situation. Avante Maddox, Zach McPherson down. Uh, Sidney Brown's had to play the slot because they just had nobody, and they're going in the box nickel. Bradley Roby, third guy, gets hurt. Eli Ricks has had to go in there. I've been very lenient on that, just because of all the injuries they've had. But I I think C minus is more is more than fair. I, I gave him a B minus because of the injuries, but I. I People have said C to me, and I, I, look, I've agreed with them. But when you're looking at the grand scheme of things, how many teams are going to survive on their fourth or fifth slot quarterback? They're not. Yeah, I guess that's true. I, I realize that you have to probably grading with a curve. Um, I guess it's uh, you just look at the pass defense and the, and the yardage given up. And I realize volume stats are are not what you want to be looking at in, in total. So there there is something to be said for that. But there is something also to be said for the fact that passing offenses have had, an, have had a lot of success against the Eagles, even though the points allowed are not astronomical. You know, the, the defense is doing a good job. And they shut down that Miami offense a, a few weeks ago. So it's a mystifying group. You know, they they do great against Miami, and they give up a ton of yardage to, to Sam Howell the following week and, and last week to Dak Prescott. It's a, it's definitely mystifying. And part of that is the safeties. Again, injury issues at safety have uh, have, have hurt the Eagles. And I I'm, I had C-minus down here for the safeties originally. I'll move it up to a C because of the fact that Reed Blankenship was out. And they didn't come into the season. With, with a whole lot uh, 
at, at safety. It was we knew that that was one going to be one of the weaker positions on the defense. Kevin Bayard, I don't think has been terribly good in his first two starts with the Eagles since coming over. He's learning the defense, but a veteran like that, I, I think we were expecting a little bit more from him. Hopefully, the bye week will help him get caught up on the playbook and and what it is uh, Sean Desai wants to do and and playing alongside Reed Blankenship. And then, like if you can get if you can get Bradley Roby back in as the slot corner and and have Sidney Brown now as your as as one of your safeties in that rotation. I do think I do think things start to settle down a little bit in the secondary, but overall I'll give the safeties a C so far. So I gave them a B minus too because of all the changes that you know the Eagles had like nine different starting secondary combinations in nine games. Like yeah. I, I don't I don't know how you survive at that. Well, they're trying to survive at that, but yeah, I, I haven't been too impressed with Byron so far. I will say this: he, I think the bye week is going to help him. They're going to get Justin Evans back at some point. Sidney Brown's going to go back into safety. They're going to have more depth. In. They, they have not had depth in safety all year. It's been re Blankenship in whoever else can fill it in. And Blankenship's been solid. So I've been giving Blankenship a lot of credit. I, I think B-minus think B- is more than fine with them right now. I, I, I did, You're right. That's a group that's trending upward. I think they're going to be getting better. All right, let's uh, look at the uh, coaching. Uh, spe- old special teams. Uh, I have the special teams as a B. I think you know, obviously Jake Elliott. I'm a B plus because Jake Elliott has been money. I, I think um, the new punter has done a much better job. Uh, and uh, coverage, you know, Britton Covey's been ver- one of the better punt returners in the league. I think coverage has been better this year. I'll go B plus. Yeah, I think B plus is fair. So I just did kicker and punter when I did my grades, and Raiden Man, I gave a B minus to. You know he's 14th in gross yards per punt, 13th in net yards per punt. He's placed 40% of his punts inside the 20-yard line, good for 13th in the league. Sippus was, like, 25th. So that's mm-hmm. a marked improvement there, punter. By the way, yeah. do you know their special teams are actually, I think they're in Rick Gosselin's rankings, uh, he does the special team stuff. They're third in the league. Wow. If you look at everything, kick coverage, punt coverage, punt returns, kick returns, it's, you know, but I, I think overall, I think B-plus is, more than fair. I, I'd even go A minus in, in some regards, but man, Brayden, man, it's he should not lose his job. He, he took the job and won it. Yeah, well, good. They needed one. They needed somebody to to replace Sipos and and do the job well. So uh, that has been helpful uh, with him with him back there. Uh, and then finally, the coaching staff. I gave a B plus to Sirianni, Brian Johnson, and Sean Desai because I think this team is scoring. I, I, I nitpicking Brian Johnson here and there is silly to me. He do, he makes some calls that don't make sense to me sometimes. Again, I don't understand Rashad Penny. Uh, I, I disagreed with him throwing deep on third and short when the Eagles really just kind of needed to get some first downs and get some clock. And I think there's a time to be aggressive. And I think there's a time to do the more conservative thing. You have to be able... You can't be aggressive all the time. You know, like there there's... I, I've heard the argument, you know, like, well, you want the Eagles to be aggressive, so you can't, you can't fault them when they are and it doesn't work out. No, that's not entirely true. I don't agree with that. Sometimes you can look at a situation and say, <laughs> maybe pushing my foot down on the gas all the way doesn't make sense in this residential neighborhood. You know what? Maybe, maybe we, maybe we do the 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 four or the five yard play and keep the sticks moving and keep the Cowboys' offense off the field. Maybe this isn't the time for an AJ Brown one on one ball down the field. Even as as good as AJ Brown is, still a lower percentage play than maybe trying to hit somebody across the middle to keep the drive moving. And then at oh. the end, you know, when they uh, kind of turtled up in and you know 
did three straight runs in that in that final drive and couldn't get the first down and had to kick the ball away again. I thought in that case, okay, now there's an opportunity where maybe you throw it on second down, maybe not third down because everybody knows it's coming. Try a throw on second down, see what you get, you know, and to try and get the first down that way. But you know, that's all just those are nitpicks. Overall, the offense has been good. I want the running game to be better. I want them to be better inside the twenty, but. You think they could have so many more points if they hadn't turned the ball over as much as they have. This team scores. And Sean Desai, with all of the different things that he's had going on in the secondary, the injuries and the and the new players and the rotation and all the flux, I think the defensive line has helped save the defense and what Sean Desai is doing. But I also see Desai doing different things. Like my criticism of Jonathan Gannon was, you didn't see stunts from the defensive linemen. You never saw blitzes from the linebackers or the safeties. You never saw you never saw any adjustments mid-game. And I think we're seeing adjustments from Sean Desai. I think we're seeing him do some different things. I think it's been slightly more aggressive than Jonathan Gannon, and I like the way the defense has played largely so far this season. So I, I gave all three of those guys a B plus, Jeff. Uh, I would agree with you. So. Eagles fans have been way overcritical of Brian Johnson. And look, I've tweeted about him during the games. Like, what's he doing here? What's he doing there? But overall, the guy's been good. Like, I hope fans know scoring in the NFL is way down this year. It's the lowest it's been since 2007. And, John, you and I watched football in 2007. It was a completely different game. Different game, totally. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, Adrian Peterson. Every geek was 21-17. You know, that's what you were looking at. Yeah, Adrian Peterson was running for 130 yards a game, and we loved it. Now it's if a running back does that like Derrick Henry, no one seems to care. That's just the way it is. So, yeah, I would give him. Look, they're second in points per game and third in yards per game. Uh, in points per possession and yards per possession, they're top five. Yeah, I think that's more than fair to give him a B plus. Sean decide. I mean, look, you're right, John. All the adjustments he's making, not just in the back end, like John began, the stunts he's running on the defensive line. Uh, I see some twist on the defensive line. Yeah. Something I did not see with Jonathan Gannon. Nope. As, a form, as a former defensive lineman, I, I'll tell you, the twist play is awesome. So, and using those stunts, um, I'm seeing linebackers blitzing. We didn't see that last year. So, yeah, I, I'm more than, look, and Nick Sir, I, I, can we give him an A? Because they are 8-1. and We should give him an A. You're right. Yeah, Nick does not get enough credit for how good this team is. Everybody goes, well, Nick does this, Nick does this. Look. I, I love Nick. I think Nick is hypersensitive to a lot of coaches in this league because I just from talking to Nick, I think he looks at guys like Mike McDaniel, like Kyle Shanahan, and go, what the hell have they won? I've yeah. done more than they have in this league, and I am going to show it because I got this awesome team, and I got this awesome quarterback. He keeps this team together. This team is probably as one of the best locker rooms in the NFL. Bottom line. There are guys that just get along all day long. Like, even the the quote-unquote bad players on this team, like, you know, guys you would, like Kenny Gainwell responding to a fan. I, I'm not saying Kenny Gainwell's a bad player, but, man, the way Kenny Gainwell owned up to it and yeah. said, look, I did it. It's it, it's a major mistake. I, I, I shouldn't have done it. I just, I got trigger happy. And, you know, and look, Kenny Gainwell's a good kid. Like, I love him like that. And what does he do? His coach backs him up all week, basically compares him to A.J. Brown, Jalen Hurts. I'm sitting there rolling my eyes like, oh, all right, Nick. And what does he do? He runs for a 12-yard touchdown against the Cowboys, which was a huge touchdown in the grand scheme of things. So, yeah. look, it's the little things Nick Sirianni does. I know we like to make fun of him about the flower speech, but 
Man, how many games have they lost since he made that speech? Oh, and nobody's making fun of that speech now. I no. was one of them. I'm, nobody's making fun of that now. No yeah. doubt. About, he 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 does not get the credit he deserves. He he won't win coach of the year. Like if they go 14 and 3 and get the one seed, they will find someone else to give coach of the year. It's very much like Doug Peterson when he was here, constantly being overlooked for the bright shiny object like Sean McVay and all that. He definitely doesn't have he's he doesn't have this uh in ingenious new offense where all of a sudden now you're using you're, you've created a new position on offense and this person twirls in the air and, and is able to to throw the ball to himself downfield and oh my gosh what a genius he doesn't do that stuff he just has he he holds the player he, he has a, a a culture of accountability he he hires smart people lets them do their jobs keeps everybody rowing in the same direction that's you know, to, to know yourself and know, like he started off as the play caller and to say, this isn't working with me doing this. Let's, let's get other people in here do, to do these different kinds of things. And he had an opportunity to take that job back after getting to the Super Bowl and decided, you know what? No, it worked the other way. He's just, he holds himself accountable, holds Jalen Hurts accountable. And that makes everybody else accountable, makes everybody else play hard, makes everybody else focused. I agree. I'm going to change my grade A for Nick Sirianni. You convinced me. I got a story for Nick. And this is back when the Eagles were 2-5 and five and he was making the flower speech two years ago. I was covering the Ravens. They were playing the Chargers. And I was talking to, um, I, I won't say who it was because this was a totally just off-the-record press box conversation. And we both know some pretty strong NFL people. They did not think Nick Sirianni was going to last the season. They yeah. thought the Eagles would get rid of him. Yep. And he was out of his court. That's what I was told out of mm. his gourd and we're like wow like this isn't something you report but this is something that you keep in the back of your head because they're bad week 13 you might want to write about this um and we laugh all the time every time i see this person we kind of laugh because we heard the same thing from the same person and we're just like yeah, nick's out of his gourd all right <laughs> <laughs> all the way to a super bowl yeah and we were yeah. saying i remember in 2021 we were saying the same i was saying the same thing like this this is gonna be a one and done this 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 guy's gonna be one and done. He's overmatched. He's he's this is not gonna work. And man, between Nick Sirianni and Jalen Hurts, I have never been proven more wrong about anything in sports, I don't think, than those two guys. And couldn't be happier to be to have been totally stupid about about both of those dudes so um let's take our last break when we come back we're just going to dip in real quick on some of the key games in the nfc this weekend we'll give you our takes on who we think will win uh, we'll do that coming up next year on bgn radio another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help for your financial to-dos bank of america has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Back on BGN Radio. So Jeff Kerr and I, Jeff from CBS Sports, we're going to just take a look at five games involving NFC teams of note this weekend. Not a great slate of games this weekend, uh, but uh, in the NFC, the, the some of the Eagles' main competition, they are all in action. Uh, first game I want to look at here, let's keep it in the division. Let's look at the, the Cowboys hosting the Giants. The Cowboys, Jeff, I realize the Giants are dealing with some issues right now. 17-point favorites at home against the Giants. 
I think we all agree the Cowboys are going to win this game. But 17 points, is that too much? No, because I think the Cowboys might win by 30. Okay. <laughs> I, I really, enough. I don't think yeah. that's high enough. Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, look, what did the Cowboys do against a healthy Giants team in week one? You don't think they're they're going to go for a revenge factor here after losing to the The Cowboys are the perfect team to play the Giants this week because it is going to be uh, one of those big blowout Cowboys wins, and they're going to yeah. tell you they're back. and Unleash it, hell, yeah. It, it just feels like it's going to be 40 and nothing again. Yeah. All right, could be. I just you don't see seventeen point lines much anymore in the NFL, but uh, you did. And I just kind of I thought that was a, an interesting number. I wanted to get your thoughts on that. All right, let's look. Uh, I think this is the best game of the week: 49ers at the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Jags are six and two in first place in the AFC South. Doug Peterson has that team rolling with Trevor Lawrence. The 49ers come in having lost three games in a row. And the 49ers are three-point favorites on the road against Doug Peterson. I find that line to be very interesting, Jeff. But I will tell you, I'm not a gambling guy. I'm not a sports gambling guy. I don't follow the lines all that much. When I make picks, I normally am just picking the winner. Um, I, I just, I guess maybe it's everybody has a hard time imagining the 49ers losing four games in a row. But going into Jacksonville... That is a tough place to play on the road against an out-of-conference opponent, a good out-of-conference opponent. And I guess the question you have to ask yourself is, is this a is this a 49ers get-right game? Like, that this team's too good to lose four in a row, and it really doesn't matter who they play this weekend? Or is this going to be a tough, a tough matchup? The Jaguars, I think, are legitimately good. They're a very good team playing at home against a flawed 49ers team right now. How do you see this shaking out? Well, they're both coming off a bye. I will say this about the Jaguars. Do you know in their five-game winning streak, they have beaten all five teams with winning records when they played them? Legit. So they're a legit football team. I think this is disrespect toward the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yes. That the 49ers are. Look, the 49ers have to win Sunday. If they want home field advantage in the NFC, they have to win this game. There is no if, ands, or buts about it. I'll tell you what. The 49ers have trouble stopping the run. Chase Young is not going to help them stop the run. I'm going to tell you that right now. If I'm Doug Peterson, Travis Etienne is getting the ball 30 times on Sunday because I I think they could gash this team. And with the way Trevor Lawrence has been playing, I'm picking Jacksonville. I I really am. Mm. I I am sold on the Jaguars. I've been sold on the Jaguars a lot this year, and I think the 49ers can and should win, but I'm – I think Jacksonville's getting a lot of disrespect here. I think this is going to be a statement game for Jacksonville. Very interesting. I picked the 49ers to win in my picks for for Bleeding Green Nation, and I, I know I was the way I was framing it there. I, I kind of I do feel like the the odds makers making the Niners a three point favorite was was mystifying to me, but I. I do kind of think the Niners need this game more than Jacksonville does. I think the Jaguars are going to cruise to that division title. I know the Texans are are a little spunky. You know, they got some other um, teams in that. Uh, that in division that di- is a lot better, by the way. It, it is. It is a lot better. That it's not. It's not going to be as much of a cakewalk for the Jaguars as we think. But you know, I I think that this is going to be a little bit of a get right game for San Francisco. I don't see them winning, losing four games in a row. Uh, so I I think if the and I think if the 49ers win. I think it's probably by more than three points. Most wins are by more than three points. So I think it's like a, you know, maybe a six point win or something like that. So I would probably take the 49ers uh, in this game um, and to cover as as the three point road favorites. But I just, that's going to be a fascinating game. And that is absolutely a game the 49ers could lose. No doubt about it. The Jaguars are a very good team. 
Uh, let's look at the Saints and the Vikings, both teams at five and four. The Vikings, of course, without Kirk Cousins now, a, a brutal injury for a team that was playing really, really well. That that game by Kirk Cousins. Who, who did they play? Um, uh, the other and that uh, it was against was against forty. It was against San Francisco, wasn't it? Uh, Where, the the Josh Dobbs game. No, the game the game before Kirk Cousins got hurt. Yeah, yeah, it was San Francisco. The yeah, where, when Monday he played, night football. yeah, Monday night. That's right. He played the game of his life that night. It was an unbelievable performance, and so really disappointing. But Josh Dobbs came in, um, worked with his teammates on the sideline before the game to get his cadence down, and they went out and they won. Uh, the Saints are a three-point road favorite against Minnesota, and this makes a little bit more sense simply because. You wonder if maybe the Vikings were just kind of on adrenaline last week and things fell their way. Maybe, you know, Josh Dobbs is a decent enough backup quarterback, but is he going to lead you to the playoffs? We'll see. But um, the Saints, three-point favorites in Minnesota, both teams five and four. Both flawed teams, Jeff. How do you, how do you, who do you like in this one? Man, Saints are three-point favorites on the road. Um, I kind of like that, actually. So the Saints have a really good defense, and I think – as much as I don't like Dennis Allen as a head coach, he's a really good defensive coordinator, and he basically runs that defense. So I, I think he's going to have a game plan for Josh. I mean, look, the Saints cornerbacks this year have been incredible. I think they had the number one pass defense in the NFL in terms of passer rating allowed for both mm. the quarterbacks. I think it could be a long day for Dobbs. Like, I still think the Vikings are going to be fine with Dobbs, but I'm just looking at the Saints here, and they should win this game. Yeah, I agree. I have the Saints winning this game, and I think they're going to win by more than three points as well. Uh, two more I want to look at here. The Lions at the Chargers. The Lions, another three-point road favorite, according to DraftKings. This is a tough matchup for the Lions. An out-of-conference opponent on the road. Typically, if you're looking for a game where a team is going to be upset by a lesser team, this is one of the factors I always look at. It burned the Eagles against the Jets. Um, I think you saw it um, with the the 49ers against the Browns a few weeks ago. This is a this is a spot where a team like the Lions, taking on a team that they don't really see very often in a place they don't typically play, this could be a little bit of a trap. And I'm trying to remember who I picked. I think I picked the Lions to win, um, but this could very easily be a game where Justin Herbert plays really well. When you've got it, when you're playing against a team on the road that has a very good quarterback, that's a tough matchup. I'm going to take the Lions to win. I don't think they cover. I think this is a really, really close game, and I could very easily see the Chargers winning, but I will take the Lions to win here. What do you think? I'm going to pick the Lions too. So I just don't trust Brandon Staley. And like I know they beat the Jets, and they looked impressive against the Jets' offense, but that's the Jets' offense. Um, I think the Chargers got rid of a major headache in Jason Jackson, by the way. I, I mm. don't know why. They signed him. I don't know why the Patriots decided to bring him back because it seems like he's he's a problem. So, but Justin Herbert hasn't been right most of this year. I still think he's getting acclimated to Kellen Moore's offense and Austin Eckler getting back. He's not 100% yet, but he's back on the field. Um, obviously, not having Mike Williams, who's Justin Herbert's boy, is really hurting too. But I, I still think the Chargers are going to give them a game because they always seem to play in one-score games. But I think the Lions are going to end up winning because the Lions are the better team. Yeah, and that would be an impressive win for the Lions. Going on the road against a Chargers team like that, I know, like you said, the Chargers play a lot of one-score games. It'll be a, a character-building win for the Lions, I think. Last game, it's again, this would probably be kind of an ugly game, but a game we need to be keeping an eye on. The Commanders at 4-5 and five, uh, against the Seahawks at 5-3 and three in Seattle, the home team favored by 6.5 here. Um, have the Commanders found, found something with Sam Howell and Eric Bieniemy? I mean, is there... Is there a chance they can go in there and they can they can light it up through the air, Jeff? I said this after week four 
when they played the Eagles and Sam Howell play well, it's like, this guy's pretty good. <laughs> like, I, yeah. I, a lot of people like to rip on Sam Howell, but he's pretty good. He's got an arm, and Howell and the enemy could be a nice little combo here. I, I don't think it was the Eagles secondary was getting torched by Sam Howell. I just think Sam Howell knows, knows this offense well, and he's the guy they trust. And, like, yeah, Sam Howell's going to have bad games in there. He's a young quarterback, but I think he can go in there and give them a game. I, I just... Look, the Commanders have much better offense than we give them credit for. Uh, but this is also going to be the first, I think it's the first game about Montez went and Chase Young. I can't remember. Um, oh, no, that's right. They played Sunday. So, um, I, I think the Seahawks should win this game. I don't like the line. And, again, I'm not really a big gambling. I don't gamble either. I just don't like that line. It scares me a bit. I, maybe the Commanders cover, but the, Seahawks, but the Seahawks win. Yeah, I, I think it'll be a closer game too. I don't, I don't, I think six and a half is a lot uh, for as well as the Commanders have done throwing the football and as well as Sam Howell has played. I think they're going to keep it a, a close game uh, as well. But you know, they're obviously missing Montez Sweat and Chase Young. The defensive line isn't as ferocious as it was earlier in the season, so uh, maybe they take a small step back there. You never know when you trade away guys like that. Um, you know what that does to the morale of a team. I know they played well last week, but you know, long term, you kind of get the sense maybe they don't have confidence in us, but. Um, you know, we'll see how that shakes out. So, by the way, John, did you hear the Chase Young comments about the Commanders? No, I don't think I did. Oh, he said like, oh, you know, this is an organization that cares about winning or some some of that regard. And yeah. Ron Rivera, like, he look, I think Ron Rivera was ultimately professional in his answer because he's Ron Rivera. Like, look, man, we we wish him the best. We want to give him an opportunity, but we still feel like we could compete. And I'm like, look, that's what. You have to say, it's like, the Commanders are rebuilding in different ways. I just think it made sense to trade Chase Young and Montez. Look look what you got for him. It it made plenty of sense. Yeah, no, I think so. I I totally think it was the right decision for the Commanders. You got to build up around Sam Howell, but I think they're starting to feel like maybe they found their quarterback. Maybe Sam Howell is going to be the guy for them long-term. He certainly looks like, I mean, I think it's always third in passing yardage. No, again, Total yards passing. <laughs> these these uh, cumulative stats they're not they're not what you want to base your decisions on. But um, just the eye test against the Eagles, Sam Howell looks pretty good. So um, we'll see how that uh, shakes out over the next few weeks, uh, the rest of the season with Washington. All right, Jeff, I don't have anything else to say. You have anything else to say before we wrap up this episode of BGN Radio, man? Well, with the Eagles on the bye week, I will be live blogging the Lions and Chargers. I am not going to LA. I, I refuse to go. I, if I go out west this year for anything, it's the Super Bowl, which is a CBS broadcast. So I probably will be. But um, yeah, I'm trying to go to the Eagles, Kansas City next week. I want some Kansas City barbecue. Never been to Kansas City. Always wanted to see a game at Arrowhead. So um, working on that. Looking forward to that. But um, you know, it, it's going to be nice to just kind of have a little relaxation out to write a lot of Eagle centric articles. Yeah, take the week. Everybody relax this weekend. Breathe. Maybe spend Sunday with your families. You know, go to a, go go to a, a park if the weather's nice. Go, you know, do a puzzle at the, at the kitchen table with, with your with your wife and kids. You know, you can everybody just take a take a nice relaxing week. And if you're watching a little bit of football, maybe it can just be on in the background. And you just you glance up every once in a while. And you, you don't have to consume the NFL uh, through a fire hose. It can just be something that's on and on. And, and you're looking up and every now and then you can watch some other teams play really bad football and and just. Uh, Relax in the knowledge that your Philadelphia Eagles during the bye week are 8-1. and one. They're going to remain 8-1 and one when next week starts, going into a huge matchup, a Super Bowl rematch against the Chiefs in Kansas City. Should be a lot of fun. So enjoy the weekend, everybody, free from Eagles football. But make sure you continue to check out all the podcasts we have for you here at the Bleeding Green Nation podcast feed. That'll do it. 
for BGN Radio, episode number 364. Uh, my thanks to Jeff Kerr for joining me here on this episode of the podcast. Uh, BLG and Jimmy will be back on the next episode of BGN Radio next week. So uh, we'll talk to you all next time right here on BGN Radio.